0: Good morning, brothers. This is the Wednesday edition of Transformation Radio.
1: we
2: As we begin to look into the New Testament, our reading today comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. Paul asked the Corinthian believers to bear with him as he talked more foolishness, as he said. In other words, Paul felt foolish rehearsing his credentials as a preacher of the good news. But he thought he had to do this in order to silence the false teachers. Paul was anxious that the church's love should be for Christ alone. Just as a pure bride saves her love for one man only. By pure bride, he meant one who was unaffected by false doctrine. We'll read that the Corinthians' pure and simple devotion to Christ was being threatened by false teaching. Paul did not want the believers to lose their single-minded love for Christ. Keeping Christ first in your life can be very difficult when you have so many distractions threatening to sidetrack your faith. Just as Eve lost her focus by listening to the serpent, you too can lose your focus by letting your life become overcrowded and confused. Is there anything that weakens your commitment to keep Christ first in your life? We'll see that the Corinthian believers were falling for smooth talk and messages that sounded good and seemed to make sense. Today, there are many false teachings that seem to make sense. Don't believe someone simply because he or she sounds like an authority or says words that you, know, you like to hear. Search the Bible and check his or her teachings against God's word. The Bible really should be your authoritative guide. The false teachers distorted the truth about Jesus and ended up preaching a different Jesus. Still goes on today, a different spirit than the Holy Spirit and a different way of salvation. Those who teach anything different from what God's infallible Word says are both mistaken and misleading. And now let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. September 9th, the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. I, Paul, hope you, Corinthians, will put up with a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me. For I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God Himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed but I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super-apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. AND WHEN I WAS WITH YOU AND DIDN'T HAVE ENOUGH TO LIVE ON, I DID NOT BECOME A FINANCIAL BURDEN TO ANYONE, FOR THE BROTHERS WHO CAME FROM MACEDONIA BROUGHT ME ALL THAT I NEEDED. I HAVE NEVER BEEN A BURDEN TO YOU, AND I NEVER WILL BE. AS SURELY AS THE TRUTH OF CHRIST IS IN ME, NO ONE IN ALL OF GREECE WILL EVER STOP ME FROM BOASTING ABOUT THIS. WHY? BECAUSE I DON'T LOVE YOU? GOD KNOWS THAT I DO. BUT I WILL CONTINUE DOING WHAT I HAVE ALWAYS DONE. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. And now, from the book of Psalms, we'll be reading from Psalm 53, verses 1 through 6. Echoing the message of Psalm 14, this psalm proclaims the foolishness of atheism. People say there is no God in order to cover up their sin, to have an excuse to continue in sin, and or to ignore the judge in order to avoid the judgment. Fools, as the Bible calls them, do not necessarily lack intelligence. Many atheists and unbelievers are highly educated people. Fools are people who reject God, the only one who can save them. Well, while God is not affected by what we think of Him, we are definitely and eternally affected by what God thinks of us. This psalm begins with a bold claim that there is no God. But by this verse, the true reason for rejecting God has become clear. The reason people reject God has nothing to do with God's existence and everything to do with people's sinfulness. In our desire to do wrong, we treat God as if He doesn't exist. When God passes judgment, it will be too late to apologize and admit we were wrong. Rejection of God will turn into terror of God. Psalm 53, verses 1 through 6. For the choir director, a meditation. Psalm of David. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt, and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise, if anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good, not a single one. Will those who do evil never learn? They eat up my people like bread, and wouldn't think of praying to God. Terror will grip them, terror like they have never known before. God will scatter the bones of your enemies. You will put them to shame, for God has rejected them. Who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel? When God restores His people, Jacob will shout with joy, and Israel will rejoice. Proverbs chapter 22, verses 28 and 29. Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people.
0: attention to people. I have uh, an amazing four-year-old daughter. She's awesome. She's so cool. Ever since she's been three years old, every week on Thursday, I take her out and we get hot chocolate before I take her to preschool. So that's just what we do. One Thursday, it was going to be a little tight. So I negotiated with her. I was like, listen, can we go today, which was Tuesday, instead of going on Thursday because I don't want to rush our time together. She's like, "Um, okay, let's go today. So I take her to hot chocolate today. We actually stop by the park and we feed some ducks and I explained to her, life lesson, you should do this sometime. I explained to her how ducks were like bad friends. As soon as you're out of bread, they all gonna leave. That's what's gonna happen. <laughs> then, anyway. anyway, so we get the hot chocolate on Tuesday, everything's fine, Thursday rolls around, she wake up. She's like, Dad, what's today? I'm like, it's Thursday. She's like, yeah, we get hot chocolate. I was like, no, we, got, we did it on Tuesday. Remember you, you said we, gonna, we got it already. And then she looked at me and she was like, I changed my mind. (laughs) So then we got hot chocolate again on Thursday. (laughs) I think communication is really important. I think people need to learn how to communicate better on a personal level. Social media is messing that up just a little bit. Some people don't know how to have a conversation regular a dude walked up to me at the end of a show he's an autograph line he just walked up to me and he was like hey michael jr um can you like me (laughs) i don't know man anybody else like you (laughs) he's like well not as many people as i would hope for i was like um it's probably your approach dude it's probably your approach (laughs) he's like well can you like me when you get home If I don't like you now, I'm not gonna like you when I get home. What, you gonna follow me or something? He was like, I will if you like me. He was like, that's why I don't like you. I don't understand people who speak in the third person. That stuff is weird. Michael Jr. does not like when people speak in the third person. I got a neighbor, dude's name is Steve, he speaks in the third person all the time. I'm going to get the mail, and then I hear, Steve thinks Michael Jr. should cut his grass more often. So I talked to him in the fourth person. I was like, well, somebody thinks Michael Jr. should tell Steve to mind his own business. He's like, why you say that? I was like, I ain't say it, somebody said it. Another thing weird, sometimes every once in a while, a pastor will pop up and do something crazy like predict the end times. (laughs) Why would you do that? Even if you're right, you can't even say, see, I told you. (laughs) I enjoy sleep. I don't love sleep, but I do enjoy it. Some people got some crazy phrases around sleep. You ever hear somebody say, boy, I slept like a baby. I don't want to sleep like a baby. Who want to wake up crying four times in the middle of the night? And your bed wet. (laughs) I don't want to sleep like a baby. I do get up early, though. I think it's important that you get up early in the morning, get your day started. I got to be up at least by 1130. Like, I got to be up. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for coming to the late service, sir. And then people who get up early always got those sayings, too. They say stuff like, it's the early bird that gets the worm. You know what? I don't even like worms. Yeah, I'm going to get up later and have some sausage. (laughs) Think about that phrase for a minute. It's the early bird that gets the worm. You know what? The worm got up early too. Look what happened to him. So if you don't want to get eaten by a bird, lay yourself down somewhere. That's all I'm saying. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. Jay Leno called this a classic. I did this on the Tonight Show. He said, it's a classic. I'm going to tell you the story. This is really, this is what happened. So we're in, um, I just moved to Los Angeles with my family. And we're in Los Angeles, and I'm like, yo, I want to go to Beverly Hills. And uh, so I just went to Beverly Hills by myself to check it out. Because if you're going to have something, you need to see something. So I went to Beverly Hills. It started getting a little cold, a little dark outside. So I'm thinking to myself, it's time for Michael Jr. to get to where he needs to be. So I start jogging in Beverly Hills, yeah. I was black back then, too, when I was doing it, I was black. (laughs) So I'm jogging, and this white lady comes out around the corner about 15, maybe 20 feet in front of me. We're jogging in the same direction. Then she looked back. (laughs) She starts jogging faster, so I look back, too. I didn't see anything back there, but I figured if a white person's scared of it, Michael Jr. is scared of it too. So I started jogging faster. After she looked back again, she took off in full stride. This time, I didn't even look back. I kicked the gears too. And I could have easily passed her up. I'm thinking, no, I can't just lead this defenseless lady out here by herself. Whoever back there going to get her. So I yelled up to her, is that as fast as you can run? (laughs) That story is 96% true. (laughs) Let me explain to you what really happens, what really happened, where the story really came from. I grew up in Gramps, Michigan. And in Grand Rapids, there's a, also a town next to it called East Grand Rapids. That's like Beverly Hills. Like, that's the area where, like, that's the area. So one night, me and my dad, we were fishing. Or one day, we were fishing in this lake, and then we, uh, we pulled the boat up because it was time to go, and it was a little dark, so I have to go get the car to uh, bring the trailer back to get the boat. Because um, most black people, we have, we have a lake. Like, we got to find a lake to go fishing at. I noticed some of my white friends, they got... The lake. Hey, we're going to the lake. I'm like, you got a lake? That's amazing. Anyway. So I'm going to get the car so we can pull the trailer back or whatever, and this white lady really does run out in front of me. She's really a jogger. She looks back, and she falls down. Now, everything about me as a man wants to stop and help this lady up. But the closer I get to her, the more she starts to panic. Across the street uh, is a police station, and I'm sure there's a hero around the corner somewhere. So I literally had to go against everything I was taught as a man. I couldn't stop and help her. I had to just continue on, get the car, and leave. It was probably 18 months to two years before I could even talk about what happened. Had I tried to help her, or the story could have went way different, and you probably wouldn't even know who Michael Jr. is right now. But now that I'm able to talk about it, I've been able to turn that into funny, where millions of people have been able to laugh just because I put my gift on top of that story. Everyone in here, everyone listening to my voice, you have a gift. You also have a story. Use your gift with your story and make a much greater outcome. I want to explain something really quick. I had a change in mindset a while ago about comedy. Normally when a comedian gets on stage, he wants to get last from people. God said to me, instead of going up there to get last from people, I want you to go up there and give them an opportunity to laugh. This changed everything because now I'm not looking to take. I'm literally looking for opportunities to give. If you can make this change in what you're doing, it will change everything. Here's another way of saying it. Don't be concerned with what's on the bottom of the invoice. Just be sensitive to what you're hearing from the invoice. And just give. In fact, here's an example. Uh, When you leave here uh, today, I got a bunch of merchandise out there you can buy. It's like a bunch of merchandise. Um, And what we decided to do with the proceeds, in fact, we have the first ever uh, small, that I know of, comedy-based small group curriculum. I'm excited about that. What we're doing with the proceeds, just so you guys know, is all the proceeds are actually going to uh, help a black family in America. So, I just want to point that out. (laughs) Let me explain to you how, how, how the rest of it works. If for any reason at all, you can go up to the table, buy whatever you want, but for any reason at all, if you can't afford anything at our table, what I want you to do is walk up to the table, ask what you need, and let us give it to you. If you have the means, what we ask you to do is walk up to the table, buy what you want, and then buy more and leave it there for someone else. It's actually called, God gave me a name for this. It's called communerosity, community generosity. Women always get it. They'd be like, oh, community generosity. The dudes are like, community velocity? (laughs) There's actually another step to this, which I've been doing, which this is completely God. It's not me because the math don't make sense. If you know that you have a hard time receiving from people, what I want you to do, even if you have the money, I want you to walk up to the table, leave your money in your pocket. Point to the item you want and let us give it to you. Ask for the item and let us give it to you. Because if you can't receive from me and the people around you, you won't be able to receive from a God you can't see because he's going to use people like me and the people around you. And the better you can receive, the better you will be at giving. I'd like to explain to you guys how life works, at least from a comedian's perspective. First, there's a setup, and then there's a punchline. Your setup is your talents, your skills, and your opportunities. And most of the time, we use our setup to ensure that our audiences, the people around us, are moving in a direction that serves us. Which means the punchline occurs when you alter that direction in such a way that the people around you were not expecting. You use your setup to serve other people. The results are actually the same, revelation, fulfillment, and joy, but not just for the one receiving the punchline, but for the one giving the punchline as well.
1: While fortune lies the stars, those stars too so high, too far, so far, but I found heaven in his love swept The freedom go can't buy. I bought the world and sold my heart You traded heaven to have me again Love rode the sun away Rising with endless majesty Love takes us by the hand clouds up into the blue sky, hearts open wide, hands lifted high, over the clouds up into the blue sky, hearts open wide.
0: listening to Transformation Radio.